Well, Merry Christmas. And I am so thankful that Pastor Jason and his team found that song that we just sang. Um, I can't think of a song in recent memory where I've had more people after we introduced that come up and say, I could really relate to that one. If you ever find yourself wondering when you're singing these other Christmas songs that are so beautiful and so wonderful, um, how do I access that? I'm, I'm singing Joy to the World, but how do I really access the kind of joy that is worth singing about? If you've ever felt that, you're not alone. And that's actually what we've been exploring together as a church family. Um, over the last four weeks, we opened actually this Advent series that we're in. We opened by naming something that a whole lot of people feel. We'll, we'll put it up on the screens here. And that's this. The holidays can highlight more than happiness. Isn't that true? They can highlight more than happiness. In fact, I don't know of a season that doesn't mix these wonder-filled highs with also some really painful lows as well. It's all mixed together. And I think one of the complicating factors with that is all around us during the season, we have all of the picture-perfect pictures coming our way. All the ads and the movies and all of these things. You got the picture-perfect people with their picture-perfect friends and their picture-perfect families going to their picture-perfect parties. I didn't try saying that out loud. This is like a little tongue twister there. And they're giving the picture-perfect people, giving the picture-perfect gifts under the picture-perfect tree. And I was even thinking about this. Okay, take those movies where it starts off picture-perfect and then it starts to get real. But... Just about every Hallmark movie ever made, as soon as it starts to get real, then it goes back to perfect again, right? So successful but lonely executive from the big city is driving out in the country, their car breaks down, and it looks like all is lost until they meet the farm boy who they find true love there that she never thought was possible. Or else you got the one, the storyline, you've got, you know, grandpa's, he's there sitting alone in the chair and it looks like it's going to be a Christmas where nobody cares, he's all alone. And then hark, he hears the faint sound of the choir and he opens up his door and here are these cat carolers and all of a sudden his heart is filled with Christmas joy. Or you got Buddy the Elf where he learns he is not a cotton-headed ningny muggins after all, right? So most of us, we can relate a whole lot more to that song we sang than some of these storylines where everything turns out picture perfect. This Christmas season, what we did is we we went there, and we went there by going here. The book of Luke. If you're not familiar with the book of Luke, this was written by a real person, a real first century doctor, and he set out to say, I want to tell the real story here. I don't want to make something up. I don't want to exaggerate. In fact, that's how he opens. He opens his book. If you if you have your Bible, you can take a look here for yourself. Luke chapter 1. So this comes before what Clara read earlier. Luke chapter 1, he says this, just right two verses in. He said, this was handed down to us. So everything that follows here, everything that we're reading, this was handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. So he stakes this claim that this really happened and these are real people. And when you fact check Luke, his facts checked out. And so what have we been doing for the last four weeks? For the last four weeks, we've been looking at examples of people in that first year of that first Christmas. These people who were the eyewitnesses and servants of the word. And we looked at people like Anna. She lost her husband when she was in her teens or early 20s. And it says in the word here that she was a widow into her 80s. No, so we got her. We got people like Zachariah. He's a priest. And what people probably couldn't see from the outside is he's a priest who struggled. He struggled with shame. 
and he struggled with disbelief. You got people like Mary. Her life got completely turned upside down in this account. And then you got the shepherds who were singing about in that time, that place. They're outsiders. They're nobodies. Luke gets real. And this entire series, as we've been going there, the number of people doing this as we're going there, it could relate to the things we're talking about. Well, in the midst of all that brokenness that we read about there, we're able to see in these accounts what can happen, what's possible when you recognize I'm not alone in this. It's not just me, but God himself is with us in the midst of the not picture perfect. And so that's why someone like Mary, before Jesus even gets here, someone like Zechariah, before Jesus even got there, they were able to burst into song. We see that recorded here too. They burst into song. Not because everything had already come together, but because God met them right there in the midst of that brokenness. I love how Pastor Dan put it. Pastor Dan was talking about the experience of this guy named Simeon. Simeon, it says, he's righteous and devout. He lived in Jerusalem, but he was living in Jerusalem when it was under Roman occupation. So he has these dreams and these hopes of the day when this deliverer is going to come and set him free. But he's into his old age, and this hasn't happened. He longed to see the day when God would make things right. Well, when Simeon saw the baby Jesus, the Holy Spirit whispered, this is what you're waiting for. This, this baby. And here's what Pastor Dan said about that. Christmas is about the arrival of hope. The baby Simeon looked at in his arms didn't change the occupation of Rome. The baby didn't lead to comfort or wealth for Mary and Joseph or healing for the lame and the leprous in the street. But still, the baby meant hope. Simeon tells us he could now die in peace because he saw the spark of hope with his own two eyes. He didn't see the end of the story, but he saw God's faithfulness in motion. And he knew what that meant, that hope does not disappoint. The promise of Isaiah, one of the prophets, it's coming. That the good news of the Messiah wasn't just on its way, it was what? Here. And I like how you said that with some punch. It's here. That's what we're celebrating tonight. It's here. So this is an example of accessing that real joy in a really tough situation. And the more we come to understand that God is with us and what that means, I love this quote from the Bible Project, joy becomes reasonable in the darkest circumstances. Authentic biblical joy, it's not about ignoring. It's not about ignoring grief and ignoring sorrow. It's about recognizing he's with us in it. And he's at work. He's at work even when we don't see it. In week one of this series, um, we had someone had this idea, I, can't, I wish I could remember who it was, that for the vase, to have this vase. And so behind me, there's this picture-perfect Advent, uh, Advent candles are all set. Well, when we first started the series, we had a beautiful vase in the middle of that picture-perfect setting. And we took that vase. In fact, we set it right here on this table. And on this table, there was a hammer. And we took that hammer. And we said, okay, this is your life. You're trying to get this thing picture perfect. You're trying to get this thing formed. You're trying to get this figured out. Here's what life does. And what do we do with that hammer? We smash that vase to pieces. Just smashed it up. The pieces from one of the vases we smashed are right here. Right here. And for a lot of folks, a lot of folks, this is what life feels like. Right now. This life that I had planned, these dreams, these hopes, all this kind of stuff. This is it. So that's one of these just 
powerful object lessons. Well, here's something that happened. Um, after one of our services, Mark Johnson, one of our members, came up and said, hey, would you mind if I took some of those pieces? So Mark took those pieces. He brought them home. And I didn't know he was doing this. But I get a picture. <laughs> I get a picture sent to me via text. Look what Mark did. He glued this thing back together. This is one of those jars that was broken. And then he sent this. If we can put the quote up there, this this is what he said about it. He goes, this is so profound. Sometimes the scars of a broken life are not as easy to see, at least not from the outside. Isn't that true? And I was thinking, you know, this bag right here, this this representing people, that is just a hard place to be. And this is all out lament. I almost wonder sometimes if this isn't a harder place where you've got this brokenness um, that you keep on the inside and that people can't see unless they're up close. Neither of these is where you want to be. Can I show you another way? This is this is fun. So I had never heard before this series, before we start playing this series, I had never heard of a form of Japanese art called kintsugi. There were several people, as soon as we started breaking some jars, they're like, hey, have you ever heard of? I'm like, hang in there. <laughs> hang in there. I hadn't heard of this, though. So if you've never heard of kintsugi, you're in hopefully some good company because some of us didn't. Um, what this is, is if a special vase or a special bowl gets broken, there are these artisans, they take what was broken and they put it back together. They mend it. I guess this goes all the way back to the days of the samurai, they say. But they don't just mend it, these artisans, when they're putting that adhesive, then they'll take gold and they'll put gold on it. And all of a sudden, what was broken now becomes more beautiful and becomes even more valuable than it was from the start. We've got a video here of someone doing some kintsugi and we'd love to take a look at that and then I'll come back and comment on that in just a bit. I hope some of you can see yourself in that. I hope you can see the hope in that. That there is a very real God who steps into our world and this is what he does. It was so fun. So we've had this jar here at the studio for a couple weeks. And it was really fun. I remember one time one of the worship band um, came in and they saw it. It was just fun to see the reaction in real time. They went, wow, is that? And they didn't even complete their sentence. It's like, is that? I've been thinking a lot about that reaction. Can you believe, can you dare to hope that whatever it is that you've been going through, there could be a day when someone goes, wait, aren't you? Because they can see what God has been doing in and through your, your, your hurt and your brokenness and your pain and those, all of those things. If you haven't heard anything else tonight, I hope you hear this. God's not out of gold. Can I get an amen? He's not. He didn't run out of gold in the first century. He still does this. I know people who he's doing this. What could he do in your life if you let him? What could he do if you let him in? You know, for some of you, maybe you can relate when we we're talking about Mary. Maybe some of you can relate to that. And your thing right now, you, you need to get broken because God wants to do something bigger for some of you. And these dreams you have, some of you, it's just, it's too small. And he wants to break it so he can do something that you never expected. For others, maybe you can relate to some of these harder stories with Simeon and Anna. You're longing for something. 
and it hasn't come to pass. Would you let him into that? Or you can relate to Zechariah, where it's really, really hard. God, I want to believe. Help my unbelief. What if? You know, I think about that one in particular. Some of the people who are the strongest advocates for God are the people that had the biggest doubts when they were younger. Because God used that very doubt and reinforced that. Or maybe you can feel like one of those shepherds. I'm an outsider. I, I don't know what your thing is. Whatever it is, though, instead of facing it yourself, what if this Christmas, like right now, what if you invited God into it? What could happen? Think of how beautiful that could make your life when you're not having to take these things and have them hidden, but rather you can put them out there. And think about what it does together, too, as a church family. This gallery of all these people who God is making beautiful things out of, these, these hurt. When that, when that starts to sink in, that's when the joy starts to flow out, for sure. Hey, one last thing um, about kintsugi. They, they say that the word sugi has a couple meanings. It means to mend, but it also can mean this, to link the generations together. I thought that'd be a, that was a cool thought to leave us with. Because tonight, this isn't just about us as individuals, right? This is us all around the world coming together, welcoming God into this brokenness and watching what he does with that. So it's time. I'm going to pray. And the worship band's going to come and they're going to lead us in some songs by candlelight, which people have been doing for hundreds of years. And I want to invite you during that time, in the midst of all that beauty and wonder, invite Christ, that same Christ who came into your life right here, right now. Let's do that together. Let's pray. Lord, we are so thankful that you do things the way that you do things rather than the way we think you should do things. And Lord, we're so thankful that you don't leave or forsake or abandon us but we can invite you in. You want us, you desire us to do that. So right here, right now, Lord, in this moment, with all of this powerful symbols around us of brokenness and light and darkness, Lord, we pray that you would come and be with us now. This we pray in the mighty name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. All God's people said, amen.